Francisco 49 is deep in the heart. Like Joe Montana in the corner, deep Clark. Garrison Hurst, stiff farm going 99. Don't get it twisted, one and all with prime time. John Taylor, Jerry Rice down the sideline. NDB, greatest owner of all time. Groovy, Walgren, Bill Belichick, where all students of Bill Walsh don't ever forget. I'm Lee Gowland. I'm Brian Davis. And this is the 49er Faithful UK Show. Hi guys and welcome back to another episode of the 49er Faithful UK Show. It's week 16 and we once again go up against the Seahawks. The last meeting only a fortnight ago was a 43-16 win to the Hawks in what was a particularly poor game by the 49ers. I can't see the disparity being as big this time around, even though we're only two weeks further down the road. I think the home field advantage should ensure a closer game this time around. The Seahawks now lead the series 24-15, and unfortunately, a win at Levi's would see them clinch a playoff berth. So obviously, we want to try and avoid that at all costs. Um, So... Fingers crossed that doesn't happen. Once again this week, we have Brian Davis back as my co-host. Hello, Brian. Hello, how's it going? Not bad. Have you enjoyed your week off? I have, yeah, although I was uh, at football and then uh, playing football. So uh, fulfilling my duties for the uh, local non-league community over the the last week and midweek. And then back at it again tomorrow, if the weather doesn't uh, intervene with a frozen pitch. Yeah, it's looking as though we've got a weather warning in the northeast of England. Um, it looks as though we're going to get plenty of snow tomorrow. Um, and to make matters worse, I'm off up to Edinburgh tomorrow. Um, and I think their weather warning is more severe than the northeast. So it should be interesting to see what that is. That's like tomorrow. So only a fortnight since we played the Seahawks. Um, not much has really changed other than the venue. And to be honest, I, I do think that will have a big say in how the game's played, how close it is, uh, and what we're likely to see from the 49ers this Sunday. What's your view on that? Uh, I feel like we did this podcast last week. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Um, It's a bit bit of a strange quirk in the um, schedule, isn't it? Having a playing each other twice in three weeks. It's uh, it's not something I'm particularly uh, keen on, I have to say. Um, well, I think this one is going to be a lot closer than the last one. Uh, we've not got the curse of the uh, CenturyLink field hanging over us. We've, we've still got the curse of the Seahawks hanging over us. So um, I'm fully expecting to extend our losing streak, if, uh, if that's the right phrase. Um, but I do like our chances of keeping it close. Um, and it's been quite nice to have that winning feeling back this week, even more so with the Raiders winning as well. And yeah. I'm not sure yeah. I've ever cheered a Raiders touchdown so much as I have as the one when they um, scored against uh, Pittsburgh last week because I was excited and happy that we'd won the game. And then I, I saw the score and I thought, oh, we might might lose that on the number one overall pick here. And then Raiders went down the field and scored a touchdown. And I was like, woohoo. So obviously I don't want us to lose any game, but with the the remainder of the season as it's going I'll, I'll pretty much take three competitive losses from here on out and trying to secure that number one overall pick now I think that's you know the development phase of the team is now in full effect we're, we're starting to see the likes of Julian Taylor and the DJ team Jones and Reed, um out there now DJ Reed was at slot cornerback last Sunday against Denver 
Um, yeah. Marcel Harris, Jeff Wilson, all of these youngsters are getting regular snaps now, and that's uh, that's exciting. So, yeah, I, th- I th- it's, it's certainly not going to be a blowout as it was um, two weeks ago. Um, I thought our run defence were great against Denver. Um, secondary still had a, a few problems here and there, but then when you've got third and fourth stringers out there and we're on about our, what, ninth or tenth combination of safeties this season, then you, you're going to get a, a below average performance out, out of those guys, aren't you? So, uh, yeah, I like our chances of keeping it close. I thought, um, just to sort of touch on that Denver game, I thought Mullins played quite well again. He was um, sort of stereotypical great game manager who looks pretty efficient in what he does. Um, the touchdown by Pettis was just... I could watch that touchdown over and over and over. That was one of the prettiest one-yard touchdown catches you will ever, <laughs> ever see. Yeah. I've watched it back yeah, so many no times. Way, just the release off the line of scrimmage. And that was just... There's something really special about that. And and I enjoy some of the little intricacies in, in touchdowns like that more than maybe, say, a, a George Kittle 85-yarder. Because, and especially when you think about the struggles that we've had in, in the red zone as well. Um not just this season, but in seasons gone by with uh, fades to Crabtree in the corner of the end zone and ugh, things like that sort of going on. So, yeah, if, we, if we've got someone like Pettis who can create that much separation on a one-yard touchdown catch, then, yeah, that that's something to be extremely excited about. Um, and then, obviously, the main man, George Kittle, was just out of this world, wasn't he? I was absolutely gutted that he didn't get those extra five yards. It was... Uh, I was sat here watching the game thinking he's, he's going to get it now, he's going to get it now. And But at the end of the day, it, it's a bit cliche, but the result was the most important thing on Sunday. And you've got to credit the Broncos for completely adjusting their game in that second half and shutting him down. Um, but it is nice that we've got a thousand yard receiver on the roster again. Um, and he's broke all sorts of records now, hasn't he? So um, yes, yeah. the good thing about that is if we, uh, when we do our end of season review podcast, whenever that might be, I think we will both come off favourably in our... George Kittle prediction. Yeah, I think you're right. I, I can't remember <laughs> whether or not we actually put any yardage down on that, but I, I do recall the pair of us did say he's, he's going to absolutely light up the NFL this season. Yeah. So, yeah. I can sit here with a smug smile on my face. Yeah. I got one might, thing right. Yeah, we might have to gloss over the other ones. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's why I said I got one thing right. I got many wrong. So you mentioned the development players coming in and getting more game time. Looking at the injury report this week, we've got two players that uh, have not participated. Um, Jacuiski Tart, shoulder problem. It's looking as though he's not going to play Sunday. And Mark Enzoka with a groin injury, and he hasn't practised at all this week. So he's a doubtful as well. On the limited participation, we do have quite a few. We've got seven seven players, limited participation. But out of all of them, the only one that is a real question mark is Cassius Marsh, and that's because he's in the concussion protocol. So obviously he has to come through that and pass a certain tests before he'll be allowed to play. All of the other players have had participation during the week, um, and, and most of them, for the most part, during the week. So I think we'll probably be looking at Tart being out and Zoka not too sure about and a uh, big question mark over Marsh. But yeah, I mean, that, that gives us a chance to have a look at some of our development players, get them plenty of game time uh, and maybe 
stack the odds against us by stealth, ensuring that we still get that number one pick, <laughs> but also go out there and give 100%. Looking at the stats this week, it's remarkably close. It's annoyingly close. You look at the stats and you think, how are we in our position and how are the Seahawks in their position? Because when you have a look at the likes of um, points scored, average yards per game, passing yards per game, rushing yards per game, there's not much in it. In fact, for the Seahawks, that they've got more points per game and they've got slightly more rushing yards per game. They're actually first we were at, um, but there's not that much in it. Both passing and average yards per game, we are way out in front of the Seahawks. So, so we are getting getting it done on offense. And then you look at the other side of the ball, and the only thing the Seahawks beat us in is points allowed. They're not allowing as much as us. And you look at average yards, passing yards, and rushing yards again, and we are much better than them. So all of those stats tell me two things. or well, one thing, really. The Seahawks are getting it done in the red zone on both sides of the ball. They're able to score in the red zone, and they're able to stop other team scoring in the red zone. And that seems to be the big difference here. When you have a look at the yards that they're getting, it's not particularly high per game. Obviously, they're running the ball a lot, which means they're definitely controlling the clock, and they're making it difficult for teams to score on them, purely based off a time perspective. And also, they are that good in red zone defence. But it is, when you just look at the stats... On a high level view, it's very annoying when you look at the, the two different positions the, the teams are in. Yeah, there's another key stat there that I think we're missing on, on that, and, and and it's the big one that's haunted us all season, and that's turnovers. Yeah, yeah. I think it, if, if, you'd, if you'd have added another half a dozen turnovers to our turnover count this year, then yeah, you, you'd be looking at another, as we've said in the past, four or five, maybe even six more wins, even without Garoppolo. Yeah, well, we've only got three games left, and I think we need another three turnovers to avoid setting the record for the least amount of turnovers in a season. I think that's currently seven, and we have five, so we need another three. Um, and I was quite surprised to find out, I think there is half a dozen teams who, who have had more turnovers in a single game than what we've had all season. Yeah. And that shows you how dire it's been this season. Yeah, it's it's dreadful. I think we. I remember uh, a few years ago we had five against Jay Cutler and the Bears in one game. Yeah, yeah, I remember that. So the Seahawks' offense, obviously, we discussed these a fortnight ago. Not much has changed. However, they have picked up some um, momentum. The Seahawks are the second best team when it comes to playing games in December. The only team that has a better record than them is the New England Patriots. So it doesn't board well for us on Sunday. Who do we need to look at on the Seahawks offense? How do we stop them? We need to stop Russell Wilson going off script, don't we? That's when the real problems start. He's got that ability to extend plays and make things happen. Even when there's chaos ensuing around him, he seems to somehow slip away and he'll get to the line of scrimmage and he'll seemingly wing it. 30, 40 yards downfield to a completely wide open receiver and he's just one of the most infuriating quarterbacks um, that I think we've ever had the misfortune to go up against, certainly twice a season. So 
uh, we're going to need to keep our defensive line extremely disciplined out there and try and get as much push on that Seattle offensive line as possible. Um, they've had a huge run game against Minnesota on Monday night football. So again, it, that defensive line is going to be pushed and tested probably more than, well, since the last time we played Seattle, it's probably going to be their, their toughest game of the season. Um, and, and that's probably going to be the, the main way we keep it tight is to try and contain Wilson as much as we can and try and uh, limit that run game. But it's uh, it's a, it's an extremely hard task. You know, when you think that the Vikings were a top 10 run defense and Seattle were averaging, what, five five and a half yards of carry against them on Monday night. Um, yeah. All of their running backs have got the speed and ability to to uh, break a big play. So, yeah, that, that's the that's the main main area on offense. And I, I don't know if they're going to go after Sherman too hard again. I think they're just going to take what they're given. Um, and if they, if they can get that run game going, then they're not going to need to. Um, I'm pretty sure that they would have seen the film of Mike Evans because uh, Mike Evans did well for Seattle. Uh, sorry for South for the Bucks against Seattle in the past, and he did well against Sherman again this season. So there's definitely something there. Um, um, probably equally as important, we need to be limiting um, Malcolm Smith going in coverage against probably the fastest Seattle receiver out there in the likes of Lockett. Yeah. So we, we can't be having him um, giving up, what, 90, 97 yards or whatever it was on two catches in three plays or whatever it was in the game up in Seattle. So, yeah, it's um, it's pretty much con- trying to contain Wilson and, and trying to limit that running game as much as we can. And if we can do that, I think we we can keep it relatively close. But if, if we don't, then, you know, it's it's got the potential to sort of get out of hand as, as it did in the, uh, in the game two weeks ago. Yeah, so I think during the week, Carl Shanahan gave an interview where kind of hinted that Malcolm Smith might not be playing this Sunday. And I think that will come down to whether or not uh, Mark and Zorka is fit because I think he intends to start Elijah Lee again in place of Malcolm Smith. Um, Warner in the middle and um, and Zorka over on the right-hand side. So we might not see Smith at all playing in this game. Um, I would actually find that a bit of a surprise seeing as though he does have experience with the Seahawks. So he might be able to work out their tendencies a lot better than some of the other players. But of course, we are still trying to give some of the other players time to show what they can do. Yeah, and you're going to need some experience uh, out there, aren't you? Yeah, definitely. Um, As far as the 49ers' defence is concerned, I I thought we looked much improved in coverage against the the Broncos last week. We were, yeah. It wasn't great. It, It wasn't great, but it was much improved. Um, however, as you've already mentioned, I think we need to focus on stopping the ground game. Eric Armstead has grown as the season has progressed and we've seen a much better player to what we've seen in the first three seasons, albeit he's still short on the, the coveted sacks stat. What I found surprising was he actually currently ranks 16th out of 105 graded edge defenders. Um, so he's obviously doing something right. It's a big gear for Armstead. He's doing is quiet. Yeah, yeah, it's a big gear for him because um, we can potentially pick up his fifth-year option, can't we? But that's going to come at a cost of about nine million dollars next season. So I don't know whether they will pick up, pick him up, 
for that fifth year or, t- or take up that option because they might be able to go out and get someone who can perform at an equal level for much less than, than nine million for next season. So again, he's somebody else who's um, essentially he's he's got to uh, go out and try and play for the 49ers to force force the hand and and take that fifth year option for next season. Yeah, I think that'd be it's going to be a big risk whether or not we do or don't take up that option. I mean, you can look at free agency and you can look at the edge defenders that are going to be available or should be available. Um, but again, it's, it, it's a risk. I mean, there's Demarcus Lawrence. I'll take Demarcus Lawrence tomorrow. Um, I think he's ranked third out of all edge defenders with only Khalil Mack and um, JJ Watt ahead of him. Yeah, it's going to be hard um, so, to, uh, for him to come out and and actually uh, hit free agency though I think that's the thing I think the Dallas Cowboys are going to do everything in their power to keep them yeah um, so yeah I mean it's going to be a big risk it's, it's not as though we don't have the cap money so we could sign we could pick up that one year option um, yeah and it then depends how they want to move around doesn't it for next season really yeah and then hopefully take Borsa in yeah. the draft if, if we are still number one um, so yeah it's it's going to be a pretty nervous three months, to be honest, leading up to uh, the start of free agency in March. Just trying to figure out who's available, h- how do we improve the the roster in the places that we need most, mm. outside of the draft, that is. Go for somebody that is actually a known quantity um, because there's nothing stopping Nick Bosa coming into the NFL as a number one overall pick and absolutely stinking the place up. Oh, yeah, we've seen it before, haven't we? Yeah. I don't think it'll happen. He, he does look like an absolutely fantastic player. Um, but you can't guarantee that he's going to come in and perform. No, nothing's guaranteed in a draft. So when you're looking at defences, um, I mean, over the past five, six years, the defence that everybody looks to, to to try and recreate has been the Seahawks' defence. They've obviously turned it around in this rebuild year far quicker than anybody mm. thought they would. I thought they were on for a losing season and um, it feels as I've been slapped in the face with a wet fish <laughs> when I look at how well they've done, to be honest. Um, but again, I mean, surprisingly, they actually rank lower in every category except points in the 49ers' defence. Um, but Bobby Wagner, Bobby Wagner has had one hell of a season. He has absolutely been fantastic for them. He's their centrepiece and we need to see a clear of him which is going to be difficult because he's over the middle. That's where Kittle goes to get most of his passes. So it's going to be it's going to be a long afternoon playing against Bobby Wagner again. Just I'm crossing my fingers he has a bad day. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, I'm not so certain about that. He's running around like a madman and possessed, isn't he? At the minute, he's he potentially with um, he's he's playing at a defensive MVP level. Really, when and we've seen that for ourselves in Seattle a couple of weeks ago. You know, he's that good that he could potentially take away George Kittle um, on Sunday night. He, he can do everything. We've seen him blocking kicks, rushing the passer. He makes picks. He'll drop into coverage. He'll, he'll stack up what dozen tackles in a game. I mean, he, he's playing at a MVP level, and he is the the real leader for that defense now. And it, in some ways, that's a good thing because. 
Kyle, that, that's the defense, the defense that Kyle Shanahan wants, isn't it? That's why he went and got Robert Salad. That's why we've got Sherman back there. And that's the kind of scheme that, that we're wanting to run. So if, if anything, we should be well-versed at practicing and playing against this defense. Um, obviously, this is a, a much better version than, than what we currently have. Um, and Seattle have just gone and shut down some pretty potent weapons in that Minnesota offense on Monday night, haven't they? So, yeah, that's, um, yeah, that's not sort of make any bones about it this is going to be a really really tough game and and yeah annoyingly they really are starting to put it together again and that's not good news for us at all because like you say we were meant to be watching them pretty much go down to Kazi for a few years here and sort of sink to a 500 or less record while we sort of get ourselves back up above 500 and sort of uh, try and take advantage of that and put a couple of beatdowns on them but unfortunately that's not the way that it's turned out this season and uh Hopefully their uh, cap problems will come up to haunt them over the over the spring, and and they'll maybe head back downhill next season whilst we're sort of uh, trying to get our recovery back up. Yeah, well, we can always hope that will be the case. Um, yeah. Same with the Rams. <laughs> the, the Rams are going to have some tough decisions to make in the off season. Mm. So hopefully the the, the parity will even itself out come next season. So I've got a little bit of a, a backhanded positive. And the reason I'm calling it a backhanded positive is basically because it should really be a negative, and that's the fact that Sherman hasn't gotten an interception all season. Um, but the reason I'm calling it the positive is because he didn't get one last week against the Broncos, he now has another opportunity <laughs> to get his first interception against the Seahawks. <laughs> and I think that's a positive. I, I'd love him to do it. Um, with it being at Levi's, I think he's got a little bit of a better chance than what uh, he did have up in Seattle. But in all reality, it's probably not going to happen. But I've got my fingers crossed for him. I I don't give a damn who gets an interception. I just want to see one. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I'll take anybody. I'll take take literally anybody. I'll I'll take a garbage time interception from Dante Bettis on a Hail Mary or something. You know what I mean? I'll I'll take anything. (laughs) Yeah. So, obviously, we've already mentioned a couple of the players on um, the 49ers offense. And what we expect of them coming up on this game on uh, Sunday. Um, the the offense they're pretty much stalled all together in Seattle, and I think that could be more down to the noise than anything else. Sunday's game should be a better yardstick to judge how much work we've got to do before next season. I'm not expecting Kittle to put up the numbers that he did uh, last week. I, I don't think anybody would expect him to put up the numbers he did last week. No, but I think he'll still put up relatively decent yards for a tight end um, and, and hopefully we'll see Pettis have another similar game to what he had up in Seattle as well where he had his best game of the season it's going to be interesting to see Breda and Wilson um, that'll be an intriguing combination now that Breda's coming back and if we can get the successful ground game going against the Hawks defence that'll hopefully open up the passing game yeah, I think there's a good chance that they'll probably split the carries between Wilson and Breeder this week. Um, I don't think they're going to want to chuck Breeder in at the deep end and uh, give him a huge um, a huge workload this week. I, th- I think that they're going to probably split it fairly evenly. Um, I think if Wilson does get a decent amount of carries, then obviously he's got to try and protect the football. Um, I do like his style. He does seem like a decent... He could be a decent complement again. So, again, he's uh, someone who's 
being given that opportunity to prove that he uh, belongs on the roster and he's uh, he's taking it right now. Um, but yeah, we the ball protection is is got to be the, the key focus for me offensively. Uh, we can't be turning the ball over in the red zone, even if technically he didn't in that last matchup. But um, I don't think it would have made any difference to the the overall outcome of the game. But it, it certainly didn't help at the time, did it? Um, and we were limited to a, what sixty six yards rushing in the last games. And so if yeah. Seattle were going to stack the box against us, they're essentially uh, going to sort of. Uh, bait us into into passing against the sort of a three maybe four man secondary and winning our matchups down there so yeah it's going to be a tough matchup for Mullins I don't think we're going to see him put anywhere near the uh, 400 yard game in this one uh, but it isn't like I say it is another good chance for us to see more Pettis I think there's a chance that if um, Wagner takes someone or if Wagner takes Kittle away or someone takes Kittle away then I, th- I think that plays nicely into the hands of someone like a Trent Taylor to maybe put up, you know, a decent maybe six or seven catch game. Uh, and if we can get him against the the other linebackers, then he's definitely got a chance to uh, go out there and uh, get a decent performance in. And again, this is another important three weeks for Pettis, really, isn't it? Because he now gets the chance to prove that he should be a starter for next season. And he's starting to look like he's got the skills to to do that. That could either be next to Goodwin or in even in place of Goodwin, depending on how you know how the draft plays out this season, or if if we potentially get anyone. I don't think there's many number one wide receiver caliber guys out there in free agency. So you know potentially they they might unearth someone in the draft, depending on, on of course where we're picking. Um, but yeah. yeah, I mean they do run a very similar defense to what we do and what we want to. So in theory, we should know how to attack and get the best out of it but you know it doesn't always work like that unfortunately and uh, a fun a fun fact is we need to try and get Staley another catch this season because his career average has plummeted <laughs> after <laughs> after his minus five yard catch last week so at that point he was um, averaging higher than Jerry Rice so yeah we need to uh, we need to get that sorted and we need to get Staley back as uh you know, as a higher receiving average than uh, than Jerry Rice. <laughs> yeah, that would be interesting to see that. Just, <laughs> he has, uh, absolutely he has had a couple, couple of decent catches, hasn't he, in his career? When, uh, I think one of those yeah. might have actually been against Seattle, if I remember correctly. Yeah, I thought... I can't remember yeah, off the top of it. That was a long time yeah. ago. So, predictions-wise... Um, the Hawks are three and a half point favourites, I believe. Um, Forty-four point five over under. Yeah, that's what I last saw. Yeah. So I'll go first, and I think it'll be under. Now, see, I've now got in my mindset because I think last week was the first uh, week where I decided to predict with me head and not me heart, <laughs> and I went for a forty-niners uh, w- uh, loss. And we actually won. I honestly believe it's still going to be a 49 as loss, but I'm kind of hoping the same thing happens. So I'm going under for the 44.5, and I'm going to go the Seahawks by 24.17. I think it's going to be a hell of a lot closer than the game against uh, the game up in Seattle. Yeah, I think uh, Seattle cover and win it. I don't think it's going to be a blowout. Like I say, Seattle are playing well and they're doing so without some of their key players as well. Obviously, old Thomas is out. KJ Wright has been out. 
Um, or they've been out for long periods and, and they're coming back into the team. Well, not Earl Thomason, but I think KJ Wright's coming back. Um, Will Disley's been out for a long period as well. So that they're grinding out wins against good teams. So, yeah, I think I'm going to take the under. Um, and, I th- oh, yeah, very similar to yourself, really. I think it's probably going to be about a 10-point win for Seattle. Um, I think it's going to be about 26-16. Yeah, 26-16. So last week, was it last week or the week before? The week before, I don't know, it was last week. So when we when we had Simon on the show, obviously we all give our predictions. Yeah. Um, it was interesting to see that we were all four points out, or all a different four points, um, and we were all very similar to what the actual score was. Yeah. Um, so hopefully it will continue this week. Because I, I couldn't, I just cannot face another blowout to win by the Seahawks. No. We, we need to keep it close. I mean, I, I'd really like to win the game. But if we do win the game, I'd also really like the Raiders and the Cardinals to win again. <laughs> yeah, but I don't, I don't think, think Arizona that's are winning again this year. And I, I'm pretty sure that Oakland aren't winning again this season. So, you know, just saying. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I know. I, I completely agree with you. Um, last week was the, the last game where I thought, Realistically, we did have a chance of winning it, um, which it makes it more ironic. I went for the loss last week. Yeah, I didn't really expect to win. Playoff teams now, aren't we? As well, three potential playoff teams. Yeah, yeah. And interestingly, that the the Rams possibly, depending on how it goes over the next two weeks, could still be playing for something in week seventeen. So that would make that even more interesting uh, matchup. Yeah, it definitely will, and that's what I was just about to say. By the looks of it, the Rams are going to be playing the starters come that final game of the season yeah, to try and get home field advantage. Yeah. So, yeah, I think uh, realistically we're looking at three three losses to end out the season um, and take us into the number one the number one pick in the draft. Happy to be proven wrong, though. Yeah, definitely. Especially against Seattle. Yeah, yeah. I tell you what, the the road the look a little bit against the Vikings. That 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 non call against Bobby Wagner with the the field goal attempt. Mm. Yeah, I mean, how how on earth could they not see him put his hands onto the place to get the leverage? Yeah, uh, it, it. I don't know if it's because of the Seahawks, but it always stands out in my mind a lot more when they yeah. get the favourable calls. <laughs> I had to watch yeah. that game with sunglasses on. <laughs> Those uniforms. Are well, because the uniforms. Hideous. Absolutely. I've got hideous. to say, I actually like them. Oh. The, the, the luminous green uniforms. I do like them. Uh, I think it's look, much better than some of the uniforms that are out there. They look like they should be on the M4 between Newbury and Reading yeah. in the middle of the night. <laughs> could, yeah. Could you could you imagine watching them up against the Rams with their all yellow oh, uniform? God, that would be putrid, wouldn't it? Imagine that on a Thursday that night would be. rush football yeah. match. Oh. Oof, you'd have to stay the off the drink that night because oh, yeah, man. you'd have to have a bucket right next to you. You'd wake up with a <laughs> migraine, wouldn't you, after that? <laughs> you would. Right. Fantastic. Great having you back, Brian. Yeah, and good to be I'm back. I'm looking forward to... Uh, discussing how we played on Monday um, and fingers crossed that we put in a good performance. Um, I think given the the stage of the season, I don't think it really matters whether we do win or lose. Obviously, a win would perk everybody up, but then everybody will immediately realise, well, we've just lost the number one pick in the draft. 
it's it's a hard one because I'd like to say I want the win more than the first round pick or the first overall pick. But I'll be honest, I'd be lying to myself. I want that number one pick. Yeah, I think I I, I don't like the the thought of us tanking, and I don't think we would. But it's uh, the closer it gets, the more desirable it, it feels. Um, yeah. Like I say, nothing is a is a shoe in or is a certainty with the draft. But the the more sort of articles I read, the more sort of insiders and experts and draftniks and all these people who seem to be in the know. It just seems to be pointing more and more towards Bosa. It's it's a huge need for us at defensive end and pass rush. It's uh, it's almost it almost seems too good to be true at the minute. The fact that we you know we've got this team who really let's face it should not be picking number one overall in the draft. And we've got a chance to. And I just think it's... We don't want to be potentially seeing Arizona being number one overall draft pick and going up against Bosa twice a season for the next 10, 12 years. Yeah, that, that, we definitely do not want to see that. That's the kind of uh, the way that I'm looking at it as, at the minute as well. So, yeah, I don't want us to lose. I love winning, but... I think at some point you do have to kind of look long picture and I think even the, the, the 49ers wouldn't even dare to admit to it but I think there's got to be people that are that are looking at that draft now and at Bosa and uh, but that said it, it depends how they value the the guys who are coming up potentially below him there's you know if, if you uh, if you do believe some of these experts, this draft is absolutely stacked up with pass rushes. So, who's to say that the uh, you know the guy who might come number two or number three isn't going to be equally as good or better? I think I saw one mock draft that has got us taking another defensive tackle rather than yeah, an edge defender. Yeah, and I think that that would be what the fourth fourth in four or five years. Yeah, yeah. I, th- I think there'll be a lot of upset people if that happens. Yeah, the the only um, the only way you want someone like that is if you've got a, a Warren Sapp sort of type person coming out, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Right. Thanks for listening again, guys. Um, if you haven't already subscribed to the podcast, please subscribe. Uh, it'll automatically download, and then you don't need to uh, keep on going looking for it every every week when we publish a new a new podcast. Um. The Super Bowl meetup, I still don't have any details yet. I actually finished work for the Christmas period today, so I'm going to have a drive up to the place next week and go and see the uh, the manager of the bar and just get all the details, prices, find out um, what's available, what isn't. And also while I'm up there, I'm going to have a walk around a few of the hotels and see if they can do some sort of group deal. So obviously once I have all that information, I'll post it onto the event page for the Super Bowl meetup, and then you can make up your mind whether or not you want to come up. Um, I think we've already got seven or eight confirmations of people that's going to be there. Um, so it's already looking as though there's a few people going to be there, so that's good. Um, and hopefully I'll have that information as soon as possible. All right, thanks for listening, guys. Cheers. Cheers. Love the San Francisco 49ers deep in the heart. Like Joe Montana in the corner, deep Clark. Garrison Hurst, stiff form going 99. Don't get it twisted, one and all with prime time. John Taylor, Jerry Rice down the sideline. NDB, greatest owner of all time. Groovy, Walgren, Bill Belichick were all students of Bill Walsh. Don't ever forget.